0: you're listening to the sportsman's nation podcast network brought to you by lacrosse boots the lacrosse alpha burly pro fears nothing not the cold not the harsh terrain not the challenges of a grueling hunt the alpha burly pro comes in a variety of camo patterns and a variety of insulation options as well check out lacrossefootwear.com lacrosse boots done right since 1897
1: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 9 Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras guys i'm telling you right now go visit exodusoutdoorgear.com um if you're not sold on the camera yet you need to go check out their facebook page and just look at the quality of pictures that they that they put post um all by trail cameras that they've made a very high quality picture, very easy to use. And the best part, and I say this every time I talk about Exodus trail cameras, they work. You turn them on and they work. Um, I can't say that uh, about all of the other trail cameras uh, that I've used over the years, but uh, Exodus, man a one company a one customer service a one product and uh, enter the discount code when you decide to purchase one nine fingers that's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you will receive twenty dollars off your purchase Uh, just one more real quick thing about exodus man um if you if you don't use trail cameras right now It can change your game and it you know if you're the kind of person who wants to hunt for meat that's great but if you're a person who wants to step up the game and try to hunt mature bucks or bucks with bigger antlers whatever your poison is I guess uh, a trail camera can help you do that and what I mean by that is it can help you pick out the next step or you know the higher step the higher whatever you're trying to accomplish the next goal or notch on your belt and uh, trail trail cameras can definitely help you do this so uh, go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com today we're going to be talking with a man named tanner and he owns a bow shop and we talk about all everything that goes on in the bow shop what products to carry uh, brands we talk about how he has to deal with customers good and bad and uh basically this time of year instead of hunting uh he is working his balls off because like most people we're all procrastinators to some extent and uh when he should be out maybe elk hunting or something like that he's he's setting up bows and doing a whole whole bunch of things at the bow shop this time of year so That's what today's podcast is about, so I'm going to keep this intro short. Let's just get right into the damn podcast. Three, two, one. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Today's guest, Tanner Seaball. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good, man. How are you?
0: I can't complain. I tell you, every day. I get a little bit more jacked and a little bit more jacked for not only the whitetail season to start, but for my elk trip in uh, two weeks. So uh, I'm I'm getting fired up for this upcoming season.
1: I hear you, man. I hear you. I'm uh, I'm jealous of all you guys that get to go on them elk hunts. You know, with with having the archery shop, elk season kind of rolls in right at my busy time. So uh, I kind of I live vicariously through everybody that gets to go elk hunting every year. That's one of my bucket list trips for sure.
0: You need to train your customers to get all their, all their, uh, stuff done before <laughs> that period of time.
1: We've been trying, man. We've been <laughs> trying. There's kind of a, we've, uh, we have this discussion every year with, with all my customers. It seems like, you know, every year at the end of, at the end of bow season guys, kind of, uh, we're all bad about kind of putting everything up and being a little bit burnt out almost. Um, You know, and every year I try to try to push up that busy season almost by a couple months, but there's always those, uh, always the procrastinators. You know, the guys that'll roll in a week or two before season and need to. They'll have a whole list of stuff to be done. But hey, I'm not going to complain as long as they're coming in. I'm I'm happy with that.
0: Absolutely. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of today's podcast, why don't you tell everybody about where you're from and what you do for a living?
1: Okay so I'm from Perryville, Missouri. Um, it's, a not a super small town, but not a huge town. Um, I'm about 75 miles south of St. Louis, uh, and, and my County that I live in actually busts up to the Mississippi river. So I can be in Illinois in about, Oh, about 25, 30 minutes from my house. So, um, I, uh, I own and operate absolute archery center and range in Perryville, Missouri. It's a full service archery pro shop. Um, you know, we carry several different brands, um, all the accessories to go on bows, as well as arrows and hunting accessories, and we have a 30-yard indoor range. So I've uh, I've been in the archery industry now for like 10 or 12 years. Um, you know, started running a shop straight out of high school, um, and and lucky enough to own one now. So
0: oh wow. So question: the first question I have for you then is, obviously, you have some kind of love for archery or, or hunting that made you do you know start this straight out of high school but why did you decide to own and operate an archery shop right out of high school
1: so i grew up um i grew up with a family uh, my dad for example he's he he never deer hunted um hardly at all um he might have went one time when he was younger with some friends he actually killed his first deer with me about five or six years ago so I I had some buddies that were big into bow hunting when we were really young, you know, eight, nine, ten years old shooting bows. Um, and you know, like a lot of kids, you want to do what your buddies are doing. So I got into archery at a pretty young age and, and like a lot of self-taught hunters, um, I spent a lot of time screwing up, you know, um, I I look back on some of the stuff that I did when I was growing up, you know, shooting a bow and bow hunting. And I'm like, man, that, that was never going to work. I should have never tried it, but through that process of, of not having anybody close to me to show me what the, you know, what to do, I started tinkering with my own equipment, you know, at a very young age. I mean, you know, I was probably 13, 14 years old and was starting to mess with my own equipment. Spent a lot of time at the local archery shop, which was in the building that I actually have my, my shop in now. Um, I just, I just really enjoyed working on bows and trying to figure them out. And, uh, I've, I've always, kind of been involved in a customer service you know sales type job even when i was in high school you know working i worked for a landscaping company going door to door and so archery i always said i wanted to be in the hunting industry and as you know the hunting industry is pretty cutthroat um you know it's not i never really had i'm not a good looking guy and i'm um so being in front of the camera wasn't going to be you know something that i was super attracted to but you know this was going to allow me to be in it so um a guy that i know actually bought the local archery business um my senior year of high school and i kind of went to work for him part-time um more or less for store credit you know i was a 17 18 year old kid so having i was working a construction job so on my days off i would go in there and having the extra money to blow on hunting gear like we all got you know got an addiction to is kind of nice and uh that just kind of transitioned into a full-time job um worked for him for several years and kind of stepped away from it um kind of each of us was going two different directions you know um and then just kind of out of nowhere um the opportunity to actually buy a guy out that was in this building arose and and i just kind of jumped right into it so i don't know if i always had the drive to be a business owner but i always had the drive to be involved in the hunting industry somehow gotcha um You know, it ended up having a knack for archery, and so why not put a couple of things together and do it, you
0: know? Right, absolutely. So backing up just a bit, uh, the question I have for you is, did you start tinkering with bows because you wanted to be a better bow hunter or because you kind of had a passion for archery? I know those things kind of go hand in hand, but I was just curious if you maybe leaned one way or the other.
1: I think it had something to do with the fact that, you know, again, being as I didn't have anybody close to me that bow hunted, um, I was kind of limited on my gear. You know, I I didn't have a huge selection of of high dollar stuff. I was kind of running with bottom of the barrel stuff. So I wanted to try to figure out, um, and, and it started with bow hunting. I wanted to try to figure out how I could be the most accurate with my equipment. Um, without having to spend a ton of money on new stuff all the time, um, you know, I felt like I had good equipment and the shop that we had in town was, was very, you know, they were very nice people and they did a good job. Um, but I always felt like there was a way that I can improve my shooting a little more, whether that be through tuning or adjustments, you know, draw length, whatever. Um, so I think it stemmed from, me wanting to know how my equipment worked to better myself as an archer so i could make better shots while bow hunting if that makes sense.
0: Yep, absolutely. And then that sounds like it snowballed when it snowballed until the point where an opportunity presented itself and then it was almost like fate from there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, i mean it, you know, i had i had done some welding um and was actually planning on going to a technical college for welding and i didn't necessarily enjoy welding i was just halfway decent at it (laughs) so you know kind of going going off everybody's words you know everybody wants to see you go to college and and so that was kind of my my point of going and then i got an offer to be full-time at that archery shop and i thought well there's no better time than any when i'm you know when i'm 18 years old and didn't have a family so it wasn't wasn't a huge risk you know i mean it was obviously there's there's much better money to be made elsewhere but i i enjoy what i did so kind of jumped into it like you said from there it snowballed into um you know almost two years ago now being able to purchase my own shop
0: nice oh cool all right so talking a little bit about the evolution of archery because it is a bow shop right and even from <laughs> in the last 20 years like uh, Archery equipment has just – the technological advances have just – were huge leaps, right, compared to where they were back when I started.
2: Absolutely. Right. So
0: Absolutely. how do you, as a bow shop and, – and, man, I got so many questions for you, and, and I'm sorry if I ask like <laughs> eight questions all at one time, but number one, how do you – No,
1: I'll try to answer them the best I
0: can. How do you stay up to date on all those changes, and how do you know – yeah. First, first, let's just answer that question. How do you stay up to date on all of all the changes in the, the advancements of products?
2: Um, so
1: with each company that I deal with, uh, whether it be bow companies or site companies or even tree stand companies or, or camera companies, I have, um, representatives for those companies. Um, my number one way to stay on top of what's coming is to be constantly in contact with my reps. Um, you know, about new products that are coming out, uh, what may be in the pipeline. Sometimes they don't spill the beans very much, you know, I mean, a lot, you know, like when these bow companies release their new bows, um, you know, the general public finds out about those new bows the same day I do. Um, so that kind of puts me on my heels. You know, I get guys calling me, asking me questions right away. Most of them do Facebook launches now with Facebook being so huge. Um, so my biggest thing is most of the time i get those bows in my shop the day that they're released they come on a ups truck and the first thing i do with any new equipment is immediately try to get it in take it apart and tear it down Um, i want to learn how it works why it does what it does and if and i try to gauge if it's really going to be a benefit to my customers or if it's kind of gimmicky um so there's a lot of research that goes in um on my part as a shop owner and a shop manager uh, we're not there from just the time we open to the time we close i mean my wife can attest test all the time i spend on the internet constantly researching products and it's just a lot of time goes into it
0: yeah absolutely so you know piggybacking on that last question how do you know what to bring into the uh into the shop
1: biggest thing for me on knowing what what I want to bring into the shop um is being an avid bow hunter myself. Um I do also have a co-owner, um his name's Kirk Lucky. Um we're both extremely avid bow hunters. I mean, we both hunt Kansas, Illinois, Missouri. Um spend a lot of time in the tree, so I kind of have an idea that if if I wouldn't bring it to a tree with me, um if I wouldn't be confident in using it, I'm not going to put it on my shelf. Um even if there's dollars to be made, this is the poor businessman in me. Even if there's maybe more dollars to be made with a product I don't believe in versus a product I do, I'll carry the product I do, um, hand you know, hand over fist every time. Um, I also rely on you know customer feedback. Um,
2: you know, every item
1: we sell, we try to have that personal touch. I try to get in touch with the people and and talk to them about how whatever they bought is performing. So. I try to gauge every single year and it's a constant battle on, on what seemed to do well last year. Um, you know, you, you can kind of see those trends, single pin versus four pin sight. you know, if that makes sense, you can kind of see what sells the best. And, and I try to product test everything. I mean, everything that's in my store has been in the woods with me at least one time. Um, so mainly just being an avid bow hunter myself keeps me honest with my, with my sales, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's something that obviously, and we'll, we'll get into the differences here in a second, but that's something that the big box stores won't do. (laughs) I mean, they're going to, they're they're out for profit period. So a hundred percent. Yeah.
1: And and you know, I'd be lying if I'd say that I'm not in this to make money. That's how business works, but, um, I'm in it to make honest dollars. Um, that's what I always tell everybody. Um, I'd rather make, you know, me personally, I'd rather make 10 honest dollars off you than 20 fake ones. Um, you know and and just less headache for me as a shop owner you know i sell if i sell stuff i believe in and i know that works i don't have to deal with you know a customer that you know bought a game camera from us that's not working or you know that that all comes back on the shop owner so right
0: so what happens if someone comes in to you uh, into your shop and says hey tanner i want uh this broadhead or i want this product which could be a, a gimmicky product um and you don't carry it because of what you just said right do you then inform the customer hey man that's a garbage product you don't want to buy it here's another product that uh, i use and like or do you kind of cater to their needs and say you know what yeah i'll order it for you if it's something that you really want or do you inform them
1: um i try to inform them um obviously i'm not i'm not a know-it-all and and i don't claim to be um but you know we all know of products in the hunting industry that just flat don't work or that are very gimmicky and and there's a lot of people that can fall fall for those so if somebody comes to me and is looking for a product maybe that i don't carry because i don't believe in it um you know i try to number one get a background on them like you use broadheads, for example um you know there's a lot of places that'll sell broadheads off the shelf and they won't they don't really know your background well i'm not going to sell a two-inch cut broadhead to um, a kid that's pulling 42 pounds with a 23 inch draw length. Um, So I try to, first thing I try to do is try to break down what the customer, why the customer thinks he or she needs that product. And then if I don't carry it, um, because I don't believe it, I try to show them alternatives. Um, And I really try to watch myself. I try not to talk um, down about other products. I just try to show people why I believe a certain product is better. Um, You know, and that's one thing I, I try to stay, adamant about and at the end of the day you know i mean if a guy says well you know i i really don't don't care what you think or or you know i i i 90 of the time i don't end up ordering somebody something that i don't have um because i don't believe in it normally they kind of see why i don't believe in it um but if a guy is absolutely adamant about it i mean absolutely i'm i'm there to take care of customers so We've ordered some broadheads before that I'm not super impressed with, but uh, you know, you won't ever see me stock them just because you know a guy wants them. Uh, right. But specialty items, eh, you know, that's one of them things where you can almost offend a guy. So I just try to show him what I think's better um, and why I think it's better, and, and try to help steer him in the right direction, if you will. Right.
0: <laughs> and that would be tough because I, I feel that you know, as a hardcore bow hunter, yourself admitted. Hardcore bowhunter. And then another guy, another, another guy comes into the shop and is like, hey, man, this is the best product on the market. And you're just like, well, it's not the best product on the market. How do, you, how do you have those conversations? Because one thing that I've noticed, especially when people are talking about hunting equipment, right? Everybody's really passionate about hunting. There's a lot of conflict when it comes to brands and products, and there's maybe some, your butt heads, how do you, how do you have those conversations with people?
1: Uh, it's extremely fragile conversations. Uh, I tell everybody hunting equipment is like pickup truck brands, you know, everybody, right. you know, for, for every brand of truck that's out there, there's a hundred guys that love it and hundred that hate it. Um, so it's one of those deals. Like I said, it goes back to trying not to downplay whatever product they use. Um, you know, for example, I shoot, Currently, I'm shooting a, a, a mechanical head uh, from G5, the dead meat. Um, you know, now if the guy comes in and he's like, man, I love Schwacker broadheads. Maybe I don't, and I'm, I'm not downplaying Schwacker either. I've shot those also. But maybe I don't believe in them. Um, but I just try to tell him why I'm using G5, not necessarily why I don't use Schwacker. Um, and I really also try to watch what I say. Um, Cause a lot of times there's multiple customers in there at once. So, you know, let's say, you know, you and I are in my shop and you're standing across the counter from me. And and maybe, maybe I've already got you sold on a pack of G five dead meats. And you're like, absolutely. I'm going to shoot these. And I'm, I don't say, yeah, you know, muzzies are junk because there might be a guy standing in my shop that I just sold muzzies to a week ago. Right. Um, you know, so those conversations, um, they don't always go well. I mean, there's guys that think certain bow brains are better. They're, you know, like you said, you know, broadheads or whatever. Um, and I don't know that I've ever had anybody storm out because they were mad at me. I've had some guys basically say, well, I'm using this head and you're not going to sway my mind. And that's, and that's fine. You know, I mean, I don't, I can't sell every pack of broadheads, you know, so um, it's very, it's always a very fragile conversation. I try not to put anybody's equipment down. Yep. Yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. So then after that, you know, after that conversation, um, do, do you ever run into people, because I, I have, I don't know what it is, and maybe this is the consumer side of me, I feel like there's certain parts of a, you know, I've been hunting for X number of years, right? And I feel that with that that um, number of experience, I, I know my equipment very well, I know, um, you know, certain products fairly well, and how a product works, and how maybe a product should work. So, when it comes to customers do you also do you also have to have conversations with people and basically maybe tell them they're wrong about about something and not necessarily about a brand but about functionality
2: Yeah
1: the it that discussion comes up a lot with functionality um you know tuning a bow for example you get a lot of guys on archery talk or on these Facebook groups nowadays that read that they have to tune their bow X number of different ways for, in order for it to perform well. And, and paper tuning is one of the biggest hot topics. Um, you know, everybody wants a bow, everybody that reads about tuning, thinks, you know, a bow needs to be paper tuned, um, shoots a bullet hole. Well, the thing is, you know, a guy can have, you know, a little bit, maybe not the most perfect grip or, you know, maybe his, you know, release arm is maybe up a little high, or whatever can cause him to tear. Um, you try to let him down easy. Um, You try not to tell them they're wrong. You just try to maybe tell them how they can be corrected. Um, And it comes up more with functionality of, you know, their bow or maybe an arrow choice or mechanical broadheads. Um, You know, a lot of these broadheads, you know, like Rage, for example, um, there was a lot of guys putting the shot collars on them wrong. Um, And it was, nobody wants to hear that they lost a big deer or the broadhead didn't open because of something they did. Um, so you just try to show them the right way to do it. Um, maybe very nonchalantly, maybe not point out that they're doing something wrong, but maybe try to show them the right way to do something. Um, but most guys, you know, most guys that enter a pro shop, um, with a question, they're interested in knowing, knowing the right way to do it. You know, they can admit that they're wrong. So,
0: right. Right. And for some reason, this question came up to me just now, a while ago, and I believe the, the uh, brand was Botech. Do you carry Botechs, by the way? Yes, we do. Okay, yes, so do. a while back, uh, and I'm not sure what year it was, there was this big kind of rumbling in the industry about Botech and their limbs breaking, right? They had yep. some kind of problem. So when when a rumbling like that comes in, and maybe even some of your bows, or, and this is all hypothetical. I'm not saying that it did or did not Absolutely. happen. But when a rumbling comes through and it's like, hey, Bowtech's limbs are junk. We don't, you know, I don't want to buy them. Um, or maybe you have them and you've heard, you hear the rumbling. How do you uh, talk with
1: Bowtech about that issue? Yeah. So any, you
2: know, rumors or
1: rumblings, like you called them, that, that come up um the first thing i do is i go directly to my rep for that company um i'll discuss it with my rep i've got some of the i mean i've got some phenomenal reps but you know if i can't get an answer out of him on if they're having problems or not i'll call directly to my tech guys at each one of these companies um and if there is an issue uh, me personally i didn't deal in BoTech when all the limb issues were coming on um but me personally if i know that there's an, a constant issue um it's my job number one to tell every customer
0: right
1: you know if you come into my shop and you're looking at bows and you're like I really like that Bowtech um i feel like it's bad business and just just bad karma in general if i don't say you know hey dan there has been some limb issues out of these bows
2: um
1: now a a company like Bowtech or any of them for example most of them are lifetime warranty so that's covered but nobody wants to deal with that issue on november 1st when their bow limbs crack and it's time to be hunting
2: right. um so
1: if I have an issue like that, or, that arises, um, I just had this issue, um, with a, a certain company that's building a rest. I won't come out and, and call them out because they've already fixed
2: the issue. Um,
1: and as far as I know it, no old units are on the shelf anymore.
2: Um,
1: but I had a certain rest that wasn't functioning properly and it would do it every time I put one on a bow. Um, you know, and I probably had 25 or 30 of them in my shop. The first thing that I did was pull them from my shop. Um, you know, I pulled them off the shelf, get in contact with that company, get the issue fixed before I sell anymore. So that's uh, any any problems that arise, I try to let every customer know that there is issues. Contact customers that maybe have purchased them before I knew about an issue, um, and before I sell anymore, I want to see that issue fixed.
0: Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So. Now it now as a bow shop, right? People are coming mm-hmm. in, they're they're buying equipment, they're they're um wanting to get their bows set up, right? What yep. are some some crazy expectations that let's say a customer comes in today, right? And says, "Hey, I mm-hmm. need uh, I want all this done and I want it done either in X amount of time or I want to be better than Levi Morgan by the end of the week." So d- are there are there some crazy expectations that people have when they come come in, buy a bow from you, and and have you set it up for them?
2: Oh, always.
1: Um, <laughs> there's a, there's always some pretty unrealistic expectations, um, and that's throughout everything in the archery world. Not just maybe with buying a new bow. Let's say getting one worked on or whatever. Um, you know, there's no substitute for good practice. So. I mean, I'm in the business of selling archery accessories and bows. There, there's a lot of accessories out there that, that do help you as an archer. They can improve your, your accuracy, accuracy and everything as a whole. Um, but it comes down to the archery themselves. So I've had, uh, I've had guys in the past, you know, Levi Morgan is a perfect example. Um, you know, I had guys in the past that when Levi switched from Matthews to elite bows, I don't know if you, you remember when that happened. Yep. Um, you know, he switched from Matthews to elite. I know several guys that walked through my door and, you know, were hardcore Matthews guys that said, you know, Hey, I sold my Matthews. I need to buy an elite because Levi Morgan wouldn't be shooting them. If, they're, <laughs> if they weren't the best. Well,
2: <laughs>
1: you know, Levi Morgan is the kind of archer that he could grab a bear white tail too, and probably put a whipping on both of us. Yeah. Um, you know, and Levi will tell you, uh, will tell you himself that, There's a lot of great products on the shelf, but, you know, human, the human error part of it is what you have to try to perfect. Um, So I get guys that come in and they read, you know, you know, so-and-so is using this product and and that product. And, you know, just, I think Rage Broadheads was a big one when Rage came out, Um, nothing against Rage, but, you know, everybody was watching Mark and Terry Jerry shoot deer with them and they just thought, well, I just, you know, screw this, this head on, and it just will find its way towards the animal, you know,
2: it's just, <laughs> heat seeking. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly, so that's one thing that we do fight as pro shops, um, I know what kind of advertisement comes out, you know, from any company, I mean, obviously, they're trying to sell as many as they can, but, um, you know, there's a lot of products out there that promise this, or promise that, um, and I don't want to see any of my, my customers be let down, you know, because they don't, walk out on the range and shoot like Levi Morgan. And I don't know how many of your listeners are are, are big 3D shooters, um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I shoot a TRX-38, which is Matthew's top-end target bow. That was just the target bow I chose this year. It shoots better than I do any day of the week. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it just... It's a constant battle to fight. Um, releases was a big thing for a long time. Um, you know, a guy would see michael O'Dell using a certain release and they would think well if i buy that release i'm just going to be a better archer so there's a little bit of that with everything in archery um but it's gotten a lot better i think with the internet um you know as a storefront owner i, I cuss the internet sometimes but there's also a lot of good information out there too so you're starting to see a lot of that that uh unrealistic expectations go away Um, but there's definitely still some of it there you know certain string companies they think you know guys think i put put those strings on my bow and i'm going to gain 10 feet per second and that just doesn't happen right um you know so yep
0: so so when a customer comes in and and i'm going to use bows as an example and Mm -hmm. with with the notion that you know, my buddy Ryan went and he shot a ton of bows at the ATA show for multiple years. And come to find out, there's a lot of bows that not only function the same way, uh, but, you know, if you're dealing with a certain brace height at a certain axle-to-axle, they're going to perform at pretty much the same exact way too, right? So absolutely. when a customer comes in and says, hey, uh, I want a new bow, how do you know maybe either what bow to sell them or how to point them in a direction of a bow that fits their needs, knowing that some of this funk, like some of the functionality is so similar.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: First thing I do, um, when a guy comes in and he's wanting to buy a new bow, um, we try to find a budget. Um, you know, we try to set a general idea on what that guy or gal or kid wants to spend on a, on a setup or a bare bow. Um, you know, they buy them, Some people buy a new bow and just take everything off from last year's bow or, you know, so we try to get a budget going. Budget is the first thing. Um, I don't want to, you know, if somebody comes in looking for a mid-range bow, 550, 600 bucks, I don't, I'm not going to walk over there with a Hoyt RX1 that's $1,600 and put it in their hands.
2: Um, I feel like
1: that comes off as pushy, trying to get you to spend more money and I don't want to be that way. Right. Uh, second thing, I try to get a skill level, um, kind of pinned down, um, You know, somebody that just started shooting last year, um, you know, handing them a a 28 inch axle axle bow with a six inch brace height probably isn't going to go over well. Um, (laughs) and I, I try to, I try to prepare them for the future. So you might stand in my, in my range, and I have a 30 yard indoor range, and I prefer everybody shoot these bows, um, with literally a rest and a loop on them, no sight, no peep, um, you know, I I don't want anybody making a decision based off well this bow's hitting what I'm aiming at, but this one's not because they're not sighted in for that particular person.
2: Right. Um, you know,
1: I try to you know find the skill set level. Has this person been shooting a bow for twenty years? Um, do they shoot a lot? And that, that's, that's kind of you learn your customer base because most people I got come in are repeat, so you kind of know who they are. Um, and the second thing or the the third thing that I look for, um, I do try to look at what they're shooting now,
2: Um, especially if
1: they like it. You know, some guys come in, they're like, I hate the bow I got now. I need something totally different. But, you know, you got a guy that comes in that's shooting a Hoyt, for example. Um, He's probably going to gravitate a little more towards the Hoyt because it has the same grip. And that's the biggest difference with most bows nowadays. Um, Like you said earlier, you can grab any of the bows out there that are 32, 33 inches axle axle is six inch brace height and they're all shoot. They'll all shoot about the same speeds. Um, So I try to put bows in his hand that I think he'll like. Now with that being said, um, if you came in my shop tomorrow and said, I want to shoot the new elite ritual, that's the one I would want to buy. I try to do everything I can to get you to shoot every single bow on my rack before you buy. Um, I don't, Push any certain brand. Um, I want a guy to shoot all the bows in his price range. Right. So, to simplify it all, that's what we do a lot of times. You know, you, you might have a guy that comes in and says, I want the new Matthews triax um I'll grab eight or nine other bows in the same price range and almost don't even, you know, just kind of take them out there and say, at least fling a couple arrows out of this thing.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, and you
1: find a lot of times a guy will, will walk out of there with a bow that maybe he would not even know he wanted to buy.
0: Right. So how i how do you, I guess, not necessarily rebuttal, but how do you have a conversation with some of these people? Because there are some people out there who will walk in and say, I want this new bow. And do you ever ask them why do you want it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, that's one of our biggest conversations. A lot of times now, some guys are going to come in and they're going to go, I want, you know, the such and such bow and and you're not going to talk them into shooting anything else. And that's fine. Um, you know, I just try to always, like you said, ask them, well, why do you want it? Why do you think you want it? Um, my biggest thing is making sure that when they leave there with their purchase, I mean, let's be honest, bows are not four or $500 anymore. I mean, you're, you're making an investment. Um, You know, and especially if you're a serious bow hunter I want to make sure that whoever's making that investment when they're sitting in a stand in December when it's freezing cold that they're grabbing their bow with confidence so very rarely will you ever see a guy walk in my shop and say I want that bow and I just grab it and set it up for him now I will always say well are you you sure you want this one do you want to shoot more Um, and there is some guys that just flat out won't shoot another bow they're going to buy a you know, brand X, Y, Z every year, because that's what they've always shot. Right. Right. Okay. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, some guys are comfortable with what they're comfortable with, but those are normally the guys you see coming back and buying a new bow every year because they're not picking one that's truly comfortable, you know, to them. They're just buying, you know, I'll use Matthews, for example. I'm buying a Matthews bow because it's a Matthews, you know? Yeah.
0: Right, yeah, and you'll have guys like that for any product, right? Golf Absolutely, anything on the shelf. Yep, yep, absolutely.
1: Yep. And, Um, you know, there's guys that are going to buy Ford trucks because they're Ford trucks all the time, you know?
0: Right, right. Do you ever run into this issue, and this kind of just popped up in my head, but a guy who's going to spend, I don't know, $1,000 on a bow, but they'll spend, like... Twenty they, and this is an you know exaggeration, but like twenty bucks on a rest and twenty bucks on a sight, uh, where they they want the big the best bow, but the accessories that go on it are maybe lesser lesser quality.
2: Absolutely, we yeah. run into
1: that quite a bit, and I and I try to avoid that situation as at all possible. Um, that goes back to me saying that I try to find a budget. Right. Um, for example, I had a customer came he came in. Um, and this was last, I guess it was late last summer or, or midsummer came in and shot a Halon 32 and he's like, man, I love it. It's awesome. I want it. And I'm like, great. You know, what, what do you want to put on it? And he said, well, um, that's just a thing. I'm going to take the stuff off my older bow. And I mean, he had a bow that was a couple of years old, but he's like, I'm going to take my stuff off that totally fine. He brings it in and. You know and i'm not downplaying anybody's equipment if anybody listening here has some older stuff there's there's nothing wrong with that um but you know he had you know your your 20 plastic sight and a and a cheap like you said 20 or 25 five dollar rest um and i tried to explain to him you know you're buying this bow for a thousand dollars or whatever it is there's a lot of really great bows out there for four to six hundred dollars Um, Where you can invest some of this money into top quality accessories, which are going to improve your accuracy more than just say a bow. Right. Um, So there's some guys you'll never talk about, talk them out of it. Like you said, they they come in and they want brand X Y Z because that's what they want, but they'll spend their whole entire budget on a bare bow um, and not leave themselves a lot of room for everything else. Releases are a big thing. I'm a I'm a huge believer in high high end high quality releases. Um, You know, think how often you buy a release. I mean I know at one point in time I shot the same release for like eleven years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I did that. I did that.
1: Yeah. I mean you're gonna buy a release and you're gonna use it for, for several years, you know. So yeah. yeah, I think the why not I
0: think the release I had was um I got it with my original bow and I shot it from maybe when I was fourteen all the way, so that would have been 1994 until about 2010, maybe. So,
1: and you never tried anything else because you didn't know.
0: No, and I didn't care because I felt like, you know, hey, uh, this release is doing the trick, and uh, my arch, my, my, uh, accuracy is, you know, not bad, you know, it's, and it, I mean, I'm not the best archer in the world, but you know, I, I felt at that time that, uh, the, the release was doing just fine. Now, why do you think that uh, a high quality release is so important?
1: Well, I mean, you you think that's where, I mean, aside from, you know, all the other equipment, that's where your shot originates from every single time. Right. Um, You know, that's, that's an extremely constant thing.
2: Um, So
1: I feel like, you know, lower end releases and again, not downplaying anybody's equipment. Um, But, like, I'm a huge fan of single jaw releases um, or releases that have one single jaw on them um, that moves, whether it be a hook style or a closed jaw. um, I don't like dual jaw releases because you're relying on a spring to open that release consistently every single time. Um, And a lot of times what you'll see a lot of guys that shoot a a dual jaw release, look at your release and you'll notice one side has more wear than the other um you know because you're getting you know you may be getting an uneven release each time now some guys are like man i'm i'm not trying to shoot 12 rings at 100 yards so it's not so important but if there's if there's something you know we always talk about mechanical stuff everybody wants to to uh try to eliminate any issues that arise um if i go to the woods and and you know i got A release that malfunctions when i'm at full draw i mean you know what kind of disaster that can be um that's just not something i'm willing to take the chance on and i think what you what most guys will find is when you when you get into the higher end releases and by high end i'm talking um anything over 75 80 bucks i'm not talking about stuff that's two or three hundred dollars i myself shoot a hinge i shoot a back tension release um but you know you're you're 20, 30, $40 releases don't have near the adjustment to where you can personalize that release for yourself. Um, where you get into that higher end stuff, they offer a range of adjustments. Um, normally your strap quality, whether it's a buckle strap or a Velcro strap, um, True has got a new release out. That's got a boa strap. The components are are higher end. I'm a huge fan of buy once and never complain again. Um, so that's where, you know, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm carrying around a $250 retail, you know, back tension release to hunt with, but I trust it never in my mind. Am I going, I hope my release performs like I want it to.
2: Um,
1: and I like, I like the personalization factor of it. Archery is a very personal sport. You know, I can't go pick your bow up and shoot it like as good as you can. So I'm pretty
0: sure you could. I'm pretty sure you could.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I, I don't claim to be, uh, I don't claim to be Superman when it comes to shoot a bow, but, um, I do think, you know, the, the high quality or, you know, higher end price on a lot of stuff, it's truly worth it. Um, you know, expensive, I always say expensive is a relative term, right? You know, if you, uh, you know, nobody needs a, uh, a $70,000 diesel truck, um, that they drive back and forth to the office every day. Now, if you have one for that, that's fine. Um, but yeah, that's expensive when you're talking about now, a guy that owns a cattle ranch and hauls cattle every day of the week, well, $60,000 is a drop in the bucket for what he's going to get out of it.
0: Yeah. So you, you are a believer that price reflect, uh, price reflects quality.
1: Yes. 99.9% of the time price will reflect quality. Um, with that being said, I do think there's some great options in the archery world um, that are relatively inexpensive. Um, you know, like they're, the bow technology, like we talked about earlier, I mean, there's some bows in that, there's some bows in the $400 price range. The, uh, the bear approach, um, and approach HC are extremely, incredibly good shooting bows for, I mean, what I think is, is too cheap for them, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, so. I don't tell everybody, you know, you don't need to run out and buy the most expensive thing. You just need to buy the most expensive that you're comfortable with, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I mean, I am no Levi Morgan, so, you know, I, I don't really have a right to say this, but I, I mean, I've seen it myself, high end, high quality stuff, um, not only does it improve the experience because the stuff's not breaking, but it, it will improve your accuracy. I mean, arrows is a big debate. You know, a lot of guys say, well, I buy arrows from Walmart and they work just fine. If if that was the case, um, you know, Levi Morgan and Dan McCarthy would be sponsored by Walmart because they'd be making a killing um, on arrows. That's just not the case, you know. Right, right. So, so yeah.
0: on on top of all that, there, there's a new trend in in life, period, and that's being able to go online and buy products online. Whether okay. it's Amazon, yeah. whether it's new companies that are selling direct to consumers, how do you, mm-hmm. how have you personally and your bow shop personally been affected by the? I mean, don't get me wrong, um, I like going into a bow shop and touching and feeling and buying direct and having my bow set up there and, and all that stuff. But I do love saving money too. So absolutely. how has your business been affected by the increase of online sales?
1: Um, you do lose some sales, um, to online sales, whether it be, um, a particular online store or Amazon, um, or consumer direct stuff. Um, and normally it's it's really bad like in the broadhead, um, the smaller department. Um, you know, because you can't go online and buy a Matthews Bow brand new. You just can't. It's it's not gonna happen. Right. Same way with a lot of your ship companies. You're not gonna go you know, you're not gonna go order a twenty nine inch draw, seventy pound, you know, new Hoyt R X one online and have it shipped to your door. So it's, it's 90% of the time, it's always in the smaller stuff. The accessories, um, tree stands, for example, you know, that kind of stuff.
2: Um,
1: what I try to explain to guys with that is, you know, and I, I don't speak for all archery shops. Um, I'm, I'm talking from my personal experience with mine and other shops that I know of that do a top-notch job. You know, if you can buy site A online for... $150. Or you can go to your local pro shop and you can pay $170 for it. So we're talking about a $20 difference. Um all my prices on my shelf include installation and setup. So that means when you come in and you buy a site from me, um I'm not going to slap it on your bow and hand it back to you and say have a good day, man, you know, have fun chasing arrows around in the yard. We're going to go out on my range and I'm I'm going to personally either me or one of the guys on my team is going to help you get that bow sided in out to 30 yards, which is a great starting point rather than just taking it home and flinging it at an 18 by 18 block target. Um, So a lot of times that, that small difference, and I'm a huge fan of saving money too. So I realize that, I mean, there's certain situations where a site goes on sale and it might be a hundred dollars cheaper if it's a high end site or $60 cheaper. Well, I can't get mad at a guy for saving money, but, um, you know, a lot of guys are starting to realize the benefit to 20, you know, twenty twenty-five $25, is it really worth the headache where if I have to return it, I got to send it back and all that. So it's for us, we mainly get hurt on the accessories, broadheads, um, tree stands, clothing, for example, that kind of stuff. We get burnt quite a bit by Amazon. Yeah.
0: Yeah and uh man i mean i, I i'll be 100% honest i've been, i've done that before where i've walked into uh um a box store or a, a local archery mm-hmm. stop and looked at it put my hands on it and uh then went and bought it someplace else um what would you say to me on a reason to support my local bow shop over going and maybe saving a couple bucks
1: um and and I say this, and I'm talking about good archery pro shops. Right. Um, just like right. anything, there there's some there's some bad ones out there. Don't get me wrong. There's some guys that that are working on bows and, and selling hunting equipment that have no business doing it. Um, but the big thing for me um, with shopping local, um, I I don't play the you know the card that oh you're helping me put my kids through college. I mean it's capitalism. You know that's how business works. Um, I don't play that feel sorry for me card um but i honestly believe that the the extra mile the the customer service that you get from good shops um pays for itself through those products so and again huge discounts are one thing but you know like i said if if you come and buy a site from me and and you come back to me and it's october 25th and there's a huge cold front moving through and your target buck has been on his feet and you're going to try to get him killed um but the your site housing broke it cracked or a pin broke um you know you come back to me and and you know aside from you like chucking that thing out of your deer stand it's almost everything i sell is lifetime warranty so i'm going to grab one off the shelf and i'm going to put it on your bow um, and you're going to go to the woods and go hunting and i'm going to deal with the broken ones so i think on a lot of products what guys realize or what guys more guys need to realize is you may pay slightly more for it through me, but you're going to get my customer service from the time you buy that till the time you buy something else. Um, I'm going to stand behind that product that I sold to you. Um, so maybe the 20, 30, $40 isn't too terribly bad overpriced. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. Absolutely. Um,
1: You know, I think a lot of shops like me are so willing to go above and beyond for their customers if they're given the chance. Um, and the other thing for me is, is, and this is kind of off the question you asked, but, um, you know, if, if you buy something from somebody else, uh, a rest, for example, I have so many times where guys buy a rest from somebody else and they bring it to me, and I'm more than happy to install that on your bow. Um, but guys almost look at you like you're crazy when you, you put a bow on their rest or, or a rest on their bow, I'm sorry, and you tune everything up, set knock point, set center shot. Tune it up. They go out on the range. They shoot on your range, get everything sighted in, you know, and I mean, it comes up to 40 or $50 by the time we install everything and tune everything up and range time. And they look at you like you just ran over their dog because you charged them money to put the rest on. Yeah. Um, so most guys aren't, I'm not going to, not going to say not capable of, but most guys don't have the means to install a a drop away rest by themselves um, or time for that matter. Um, so, you know, that's one thing. I mean, I, me personally, I have no problem working on anybody's stuff. I mean, you can bring me anything and I'm more than happy to work on it, but, um, you know, there does have to be a charge when it wasn't bought from me. And that goes for, for everything, you know, warranty work on bows. If you buy a Matthew's bow or just for example, a Matthew's bow and the limb breaks six years from now, um, it, warranty work is free. And and Matthews doesn't pay me for that. I just eat it. Yeah. Um, but if you bought the Matthews bow from so and so down the street and you bring it to me to fix it, I have to charge you some type of labor because, I mean, I got bills to pay too. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, you uh, know, with with the world kind of changing, and you know the the traditional you know my thought of a bow shop 20 years ago compared to was it what it is now is changing and and hell the archery industry as a whole is shrinking right so Absolutely. so yeah. to to all the listeners out there and we're going to end we're going to wrap it up here pretty soon but why should an archer or a bow hunter or a hunter in general go and support a local bow shop
1: the first and most important thing to me is finding a good local bow shop. Um you're going to find people that want to see you successful. Um you know, my my success every year totally weighs on my customer success every year. So you find a good repute, you know, a good quality archery shop that's going to help you any way they can um to help you be successful. Um that's worth that's worth its weight in gold. Um you know, sometimes there's, there's not answers that you can get online. Um, you know, you can't, you cannot buy personal customer service online. Um, and you cannot go get, uh, they don't learn you like, like a good shop does. You know, we know what your goals are. Um, so the biggest thing, number one for me, uh, for supporting a local archery shop is by supporting a local archery shop, you're supporting archery and hunting as a whole. Um, most shops like mine are involved with, youth archery programs um you know getting new archers in the sport not just youth hunters um, or youth archers so by supporting us um you know you're helping us put more dollars back into growing the sport whereas when you buy from amazon i highly doubt amazon is pumping a lot into the youth programs um or new hunter programs
0: absolutely not (laughs) absolutely Mm -hmm. not yep Um, and like i
1: said I, i don't speak for all archery shops but i speak for most of the good ones um, you know I, I want to make sure that there's kids shooting in my area because those kids turn into adults and those turn into my future customers so
0: right, absolutely man awesome well I tell you what man I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on and chat with us about archery uh, you know the brands the the trends and whatnot, and especially the local bow shop so um, any final words that you'd like to leave with us today
1: man i uh all i can say is i appreciate you uh you know using your platform to help get the word out and uh you know that 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 supports us us local shops i I enjoyed it i had a lot of fun and i don't think enough of this goes on and and, you know another thing you know if, if you're in an area that you're not sure sure of where maybe a good quality archery shop is um feel free to hit me up on my page absolute archery center and range or my personal page um, I, I'm kn- connected with a lot of dealers across the country, and I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction of a good local dealer in your area. And uh, I hope, uh, I hope maybe this gave some insight onto, you know, what what shops like me do.
0: Huge shout out to Tanner, man. Uh, appreciate you hopping on the podcast and chit chatting with us today. Huge shout out to each and every one of you every day. I appreciate every time you listen to the podcast, man. Because without you, this is not possible. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonix, Hunter Safety Systems, Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonix, Hunter Safety Systems. Set up twice, now you know. Please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast. If you haven't yet, go to bustedrack.com and buy the Nine Finger Nation t-shirt. Proceeds will go to the Quality Deer Management Association. So please go and do that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Social media. If you haven't already, please check it out. Instagram, Facebook, Nine Finger Chronicles, and Sportsman's Nation. And I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Have a great rest of your week. And if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness.